Good morning, another fine Saturday morning sitting outside here on uh, September 5th. A uh, little cooler, but still uh, quite comfortable. Um, good morning, Albert. I think the last time we left off, I think we've kind of gone through your siblings. I think we spent some time, uh, some early childhood stuff with you and your younger brother, Teo. So let's kind of kick off with, okay, uh, what was early childhood like? Can you, can you remember what it was like when you were preschool coming into the family? Well, I... The earliest memories I have, uh, I remember watching as a little kid the the older ones having a play in the in the kitchen. We had a great big kitchen in the old house, and there was lots of room. To, well, that was kitchen, dining room, more dining room because the kitchen was separate again, but. Uh, uh, they uh, they were putting a, a game together, and then uh, my brother Harry was supposed to be the bad guy. That uh, oh, he was a real mean dude, and you uh, wasn't there. You never did uh, take part in things like that. He was off on his own tangent, whatever it may have been. But then Annie and Ria were in there, and uh, so... Is this like uh, a, a board game, or...? No, it's just a game. Yeah. We didn't have board games. Uh, we made our own. Mm -hmm. uh, Ria was the poor girl that was being uh, pestered and uh, persecuted by this mean guy that was... Harry. Mm -hmm. And Harry, he could walk around and he came on strong. And as a little kid, uh, he was my brother. And yet, uh, I kind of was scared of him mm -hmm. when he was having that play because he was going. And then my sister, uh, and she was this girl that was being pushed back. She was like, uh, uh, oh, like a damsel in distress, almost. Well, like in that fairy tale, the the the, the girl that with with that uh, with that slipper. Oh, you're talking about like Cinderella. The, Cinderella, Cinderella, and uh, she, yeah, she kind of played that Cinderella part, and uh, I felt so bad for her, and she was sitting and looking so sad on the steps that there was a couple of steps going up to. The, the bedroom of my mom and dad, where the where the bedstead was, uh, just above the cellar, and uh, uh, I felt so bad. I wanted to go to her, and uh, I started to cry. And then Annie tried to console me, and this is only a play. Don't worry about it. But uh, there was no consoling because I felt so bad. Mm -hmm. And then I could have kicked Harry, but he was too big for me. But uh, for being so mean to Ria, well, uh, and, and she was such a nice girl. Uh, yeah, that is one of the things that, the earliest things that I can say I remember. Uh, it's the, uh, it was in the same room, more or less, it was a big, big room, uh, as where I was tied to that table leg when my aunts and uncles came right. over. I think I told you about that. Yeah, you and uh, 
chasing but, the ball. And yeah, well, I, yeah, I got that ball. Uh, that was a lot nicer memory, mm -hmm. although uh, not for my aunts and uncles, maybe, but for me it was because I got a new ball. But anyway, uh, when the play was over and we were just kids and I was feeling a lot better. But th that is one little instance and for the rest, mm -hmm. uh, I remember Theo, uh, for instance, sitting there and he was younger than I was, but he could walk already. Mm -hmm. and he. Uh, uh, he always had this apron on, and I didn't like that because it, it seemed to me like it was a girl's apron. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, it, it, it is not just the front, but it is just like a, a, a raincoat kind of thing. You know, you put it on like a coat, you get, but the buttons were on the back, so you couldn't take it off mm -hmm. yourself. So, and 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 he was sitting there. And he was as light blonde as, as you could get. And then with, with bow knives, it's, it's a stark contrast between that. Because, uh, uh, and he looked, he looked so innocent. You know, I couldn't, you, you couldn't hurt a kid like that. And he, he, he was easy going. He's got the easiest nature that you could want. But as I got older and I go to kindergarten, then for some reason it seems to have been advantageous that I was going to junior and senior kindergarten and somehow uh, there was junior and senior. And uh, But it was, I was in senior kindergarten and uh, the princess Juliana was getting married to Prince Bernard and uh, Dutch royalty. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. oh yeah. Well then they, uh, royalty has to marry yeah. royalty because uh, in hindsight uh, she could have done a lot better than uh, marry that Bernard. He was an assessor as it turned out later, but I never knew until after the war. Not that it mattered any, but uh, I never been a monarchist anyway, and uh, they got married. But I was in school, and at the time they had a great big pot with hot chocolate and with biscuits, uh, the rusks. Mm. And uh, as a celebration, all the kids in the country, in every town and village city, they were going to be treated to hot chocolate and the rusks with this. Kind of, not the sprinkles, it was other stuff. There was uh, blue and orange and white little crumbs, and they had special flavor. Mm -hmm. um, we call them moisures, but what the English name would be, I don't know. But anyhow, uh, when I come out of kindergarten and I get to the playground of the boys in the regular school, and uh, I had no cup and I needed a cup to get my hot chocolate and I kind of started to panic, what am I going to do? But Joe was supposed to have given his cup to me because by the time I come out of kindergarten school, the room, like the little building in the back where the kindergarten was, when I came out and I went to the playground of the big boys, that's where the hot chocolate was and all the rusks, 
and I couldn't drink hot chocolate because I didn't have a cup. And then Harry was, well, uh, a bit more responsible, let's say, and he gave me his cup because Joe was supposed to have given his cup, but he was gone playing with his friends, and uh, he totally forgot about forgot about me and uh, my hot chocolate. And to me, that uh, I can get hot chocolate at home, but that's not the same as when you get it at school. It's not royal hot chocolate. Oh, no, no. This year was it's almost as if they brought it straight from the Hague. And uh, so they had this great big ladle in the in the pot, and it was just hanging there waiting for the last one. So I got Harry's cup, and uh, it didn't get washed, but that didn't matter. And I got my hot chocolate, and I got my rusk with the uh, things on it. And uh, that was a metal cup, because uh, if you had uh, breakable, that would never survive the the occasion. And uh, metal cup, well, you could almost stuff it in your pocket or under your shirt, and you you bring it home. But uh, yeah, I remember I remember that occasion when when uh, when they got married, and uh, then there was not much except when the new house was being built because the old house had to go and uh, the bakery was built in the 1600s that was actually a dairy mm -hmm. but the farmer co-op had decided in and I think it was in the 1800s somewhere to change to build a new dairy building that would do for our village and a couple of other villages around. And they more or less put it in the center of all the villages. And they could bring their milk to that dairy instead of people bringing it on their bikes or little dog carts or what have you to the little dairy. But uh, the original dairy is what got turned into a bakery. And they put... Uh, a wood oven in, and well, there was a bakery. Uh, people started to uh, buy bread from a store rather than make their own. See, up until then, it was uh, like in the early 1700s. Yeah. Uh, everybody made their own, but uh, more and more it changed, and uh, so they were, it was turned into a bakery, and somebody could make a living out of it. And uh, they, my dad did pretty good. He, uh, it went, it was a funny thing how, how he, he actually uh, got it because uh, my, my dad was not from the poorest family, let's say. My mom, they didn't see my uh, my grandfather uh, on my, my my like my maternal grandfather. Mm. He was uh, a day worker. He never knew from one day to the next where he was gonna work and if he was gonna work, 
but he left at four in the morning looking for a job and then usually he found something to fill the day, he gets paid at the end of the day and that is how he maintained the same as many other people, their livelihood. But anyhow, consequently the, they couldn't have uh, a lot of money. My, my paternal grandfather, he had his own business which was a little bit different. But anyway, when my mom and dad uh, wanted to get married, and my dad, he had his, he finished his apprenticeship, he got his papers for the baker, and they started looking for a bakery. But you got to be able to afford it. And most of them, they were uh, outrageously expensive. Well, if, you know, you buy a bakery, you get a store with it, and uh, so that's expensive. A house by itself was bad enough. And but fortunately, my dad's oldest sister married the guy, and they had the money. And they loaned him money. Yeah. They gave him the, the 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 mortgage. And this bakery that where I grew up was in a town in the village called Oplo, mm -hmm. and. Uh, it had that old dairy converted into a bakery, and the guy had, uh, I don't know who started it, but eventually there was my friend Will Pardoul's uh, uncle had the bakery, and he lived right across from Will's dad, like the two houses were right across from each other. And the the barn that held uh, the the pigsty and and the wood uh, uh, we had those sheaves of wood for the wood oven, the, like the fuel for the for the oven, had to be stored in the barn. And that there was a, a barn that was the end of the building. The, you had the house with the store, and then you had the bakery, and then you had the barn with whatever else. And then there was still a garden uh, behind them, beside it a little bit. But our barn and the barn from across the road were so close together that two cars could not pass each other. And in the 1930s, they saw that cars were coming up and uh, the horse and cart it was a, uh, it's not just a horse and cart. What are you going to do? You can hold them and the other one goes on and then they have a little chat. And then they go the whole way. Life was a lot simpler, a lot easier. But they saw a comic that when you get two cars coming and they meet each other at that point, somebody has to stop and, uh, well, who has to stop? So the, the province decided to expropriate our house, bakery and all. And they built a new house in our orchard. We had an orchard on the other side. So they expropriated and so the new road right now is where it used to be where the bakery and the barn was. I can hardly remember what it used to be like. But uh that was in 1939 when they built a new house.
and uh, I already mentioned uh, we moved in. Yeah. And then during the war, well, we go after the war started a couple of days, and you go back to school. Things had settled down, and the armies are going on. They were in Belgium, but through Belgium already. Got some resistance in France, but uh, life was going back to normal. Uh, as it was just before the war, the, those were the, the dirty thirties war. Yeah, so just to clarify, at the time the war broke out in the Yorkshire, how old were you at the time? I was, uh, see, uh, I was eight when the war broke out. Okay. And uh, so uh, I, went, uh, I went to school and I came home. And then, uh, as soon as I come home, there was a ritual every day. You take your clothes off, put the play clothes on, because your school clothes, of course, you can't wear them at home and then go play outside. Uh, uh, so you take your shoes off, and then you put your wooden shoes on. And uh, uh, my dad, being uh, self-employed, his kids, of course, had to, uh, when I was smaller, uh, I wore wooden shoes, but as soon as I, I got to second or third grade, kids were wearing leather shoes. So I had to get leather shoes that, uh, you know, I wasn't going to wear wooden shoes anymore. So I got leather shoes. But wooden shoes are still fairly common then, I take it? Oh yeah, but uh, when I, come out of school, I had to put my wooden shoes on. Yeah. And on Saturday, Saturday morning, we didn't have to go to church, but we had to sit, Theo and I, we had to sit there and with a pail of water and a, and a scrub brush and scrub all the wooden shoes. Mm -hmm. And there was a rack where you put the wooden shoes on upside down so they dripped right clean in the sun, it was on the south side. So they would dry and then they could wear them again. But you got to clean out the inside too, because if you went somewhere and you got some dirt in it, and uh, it packs in and packs in. Uh, it didn't matter when we were playing, I remember. Uh, when we went playing, we wore wooden shoes. And there's a fantastic footwear, really, because in the, in the summer, you wore it just like they come out of the store. Mm -hmm. But in the winter, if it got cold, you get a little bit of hay, you stuff that in, and uh, they were roomy enough that you could, it's, it's just like a, a shoe inside of a shoe. Yeah. But the hay was insulating, so we always had warm feet. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cold didn't penetrate the wood as easy as it did the leather. Right. So we were actually better off with a wooden shoe. But we go play and uh, you get thirsty and things weren't all polluted like they are. Today, you take one of your shoes off and you rinse it out in the creek, mm -hmm. take a shoe full of, like a wooden shoe full of water, you drink it, put the shoe back on. We didn't wear socks because uh, they could wear and uh, it was warm enough. Why would you want socks? You had less control over your 
your your wooden shoes wearing it in socks than you had in bare feet. And at the same time, uh, if you uh, wear no socks, you kind of go a callus on the top of your foot. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, uh, when you put the leather shoes on, sometimes you couldn't tighten the, the laces as much because the callus was uh, demanding more space. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, there was. Uh, they were different. I still love wooden shoes. Well, I would imagine they sound like they're very similar to Jazzy's fascination with Crocs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. For Jazzy, it's a fascination. For us, uh, we had no choice, and uh, it was a gift. You wear wooden shoes. I would never have gone play with my friends or with Bill with uh, with leather shoes on. Mm -hmm. You know. I assume pretty much all the kids played with wooden shoes then. Everybody. I ever saw any kids with leather shoes on uh, while playing. Yes, in the school. Yeah. And there you could see the difference. The, oh, they're not, they don't have a farm. Because the kid wears leather shoes. Yeah. So they must be from the... Uh, the Hi, Mom. Be good, girl. And... Uh, so uh, they must be uh, the middle class, let's say, you know, self-employed, the different businesses. Uh, class, dist <laughs> class distinction, the caste system. I never saw it as, a, look, the farmer was the same as, as us and everybody else. I didn't see that at the time. But when you get older again, that's when you get uh, the this let's say class difference mm -hmm. and the the wooden shoes would, uh, was a good indication of that. Yeah. So the wooden shoes when you're playing does that change the kind of games you're playing? I'm assuming some things like soccer would be easier but I'm thinking trying to climbing a tree might be a little more tougher with a wooden shoe. Yeah but we wouldn't climb, we wouldn't wear the wooden shoe, yeah. we leave them at the bottom yeah. of the tree yeah. and then you climb the tree once you get you could go like a monkey around the whole thing and then you get to the first branch. Once you get there, because right on the, at the intersection where we were living, there was this great big tree, it was higher than the big maple in the back so here. 30, 30 feet. I don't know how many feet, but it was, it was big. You could see it from the school, we could see it. That was like if you were to orient yourself uh, well, that is where, mm -hmm. uh, which <laughs> it just now reminds me, uh, Will and I, we were, we had actually walked to their field. They owned a, a piece of land outside of the village mm -hmm. uh, where the canal was, that was dug in the, in the crisis years. And uh, we were coming back towards the village and uh, we must be getting close. Well, at that time, uh, uh, it was quite a distance, and uh, are we sure uh, we have to just follow this road? And uh, we get there, we don't have to make any turns. And uh, there's the church steeple. And uh, I said, Don't you see the, the steeple from the church? No, where is it? I says, Right there. You see the, the the big tree, 
uh, the big three. That was the three that we always played in under and uh, 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 so. Uh, yeah, I know I see it. Yeah, now I see it. And just to put another spoonful on top, I said, "Don't you see the weather vane on it?" Yeah, he says on the very top. I yeah, I can see it. And. That's when I thought I got to let him have it. I somehow, I got to beat him. I said, Emil, don't you see the fly that's walking over the tail of the rooster? Mm, no, he says, I, I don't see it. He said, but I can hear it walk. <laughs> so <laughs> it backfired on me. Yeah, we had someone. To, we were always trying to what we call the up, the one upmanship, yeah. and uh, made it very interesting. We had a, a beautiful, beautiful friendship. All those little things, they, I, I love it. That's why I can sometimes start laughing when it comes back yeah. to point. I never thought of that fly in the years. When did you uh, When did you first meet Will? I'm assuming it was at school. No, no, Will? Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, we, we, yeah. because as soon as we could walk, okay. that's when we got to be friends. Yeah. We never had to worry about, uh, we knew a horse and a yeah. cart would come by every once in a while, maybe. Yeah. But cars, uh, uh, there was maybe one or two cars in a day. Yeah. So we didn't have to worry about traffic or anything. And he come across or I go across. Mostly I went to their place. Yeah because it was a lot more interesting. They had uh, a lot bigger garden and they had cows and mm -hmm. a horse and, and pigs and chicken. Well, the chickens were actually in the orchard next to our new house mm -hmm. uh, because we had two orchards before the war, theirs and ours. But uh, we were always together and even his mom and my mom would sit together in the sun against their house, which was facing south, and, and they could keep an eye on and, and Will and me uh, playing around doing our thing. But, uh, well, they, they wanted to be there because with those two you never know what they would be able to do or liable to do. And we were all over the neighborhood. That was one thing, you can have a playground, but the whole bloody village was our playground. And as we got older, it got bigger and bigger, and we we went farther and farther out. Mm -hmm. uh, beautiful memories. Now, did you guys play as a neighborhood kids together, or was it pretty much? Will and I were Will together, I or yeah. if it just these things were never planned. Yeah. But if, for instance, Theo was out playing with Herman, mm -hmm. Herman Cornelius, his yeah. his friend, and then. Uh, Will's sisters would come out. They were uh, young enough, and uh, then you get a, a couple more kids from the neighborhood, and there was all kinds of kids, tons yeah. of them. And uh, we get together, and you get a ball, and you play a game, and you throw the ball up, and then uh, you call a name, and that name, that person with that name, had to catch the ball. And if it hit the road, 
then uh, then you uh, you were it. Then you stand in the middle and you throw the ball up. But if you could catch it before it hit the ground, same as in baseball, I think. And uh, uh, then you could right away, while, while they were all scattered, uh, call another name and throw the ball up. And you always call the name of the kid that was furthest gone. Because if uh, if you uh, if you catch it off the ground, then you have to see which one you could hit. So you throw the ball underhand, like not over yeah. the shoulder, but uh, like under. Yeah. And uh, if you hit that person, then they had to come in the center. Okay. You all get got uh, we call that stun ball. And uh, we play that, or we. Uh, hopscotch, but that was more for girls. Mm -hmm. Although, uh, if the squares were big enough, but sometimes the girls would play hopscotch and we go uh, play the, uh, the game conquer, conquer a piece of land from some other kid, and we get our pocket knives out and we play that game. How do you play? I don't, I don't know the game conquer. Oh well, you 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 draw a big square the. The say the size of the kitchen table, yeah, so like and uh, five by five, five feet by five feet, maybe at the most. Yeah, something like that. Four by four, five by five, and uh, but you with a knife you draw the square or with a stick, and then you put a line in the middle, and your opponent is on one side and you're on the other side, and then uh, you somehow uh, in the mini mini mo who goes first. And uh, so then you take the knife, but you don't hold the handle, you hold the blade, mm -hmm. and then it flies around. And eventually you, you, you get the feel for it that it will stick in the ground. If it didn't, well, then you lost your turn. Mm -hmm. But if it stuck in the ground, the way the blade was sitting, you could make a straight line to the outside frame. Mm -hmm. And if that went across, part of your opponent, uh, opponent piece of land, mm -hmm. then that part, the smallest part, you take and add it to yours. Right. Then your opponent throws the knife and mm -hmm. you go back and forth and you just keep conquering land and uh, by the time it gets dark, usually nobody won. Yeah. But you had a lot of fun at the same time and you learned to throw the knife. Uh, uh, and we had playing hoops. You have a okay. like a rim, yeah. and with a stick, and then you can push it like a bicycle rim. Oh, okay, yeah. And uh, you have a stick, and where the tire used to be, mm -hmm. you uh, you know like that V. Mm -hmm. You put the stick in, and you can navigate it all over the place. And sometimes you could uh, you could run, and, and you had to run, especially if. Well, everything was kind of level back home, but mm -hmm. uh, where we came from. But if it uh, went down a little ways, then uh, uh, you had to run to to, to keep your own. Yeah. And uh, that was one game. And then playing top, you get a whip and then you hit the top and it goes flying 20 feet. And then you run up there and then before it stops spinning, mm -hmm. you hit it again and you just keep going. And then see how far down the road you can go, but you needed pavement. You couldn't do that on dirt. So 
uh, when I was a kid, we already had the paved road and that's what we played on. Mm -hmm. uh, or we did uh, leapfrog. Mm -hmm. That was another one. I uh, uh, and everybody took took part in it, uh, except the girls, because they couldn't. Uh, from because they they wore the dresses, mm. uh, girls with wearing pants. That was totally out of the question. You would never, ever before the war. I never saw a girl with pants on. Mm. Uh, so they had to do their own game, and uh, we would play leapfrog, mm. and then somebody come, jump over you, and you bend over, and. Uh, if you wanted to pull a, say, a bit of a trick on them, and just as they, and you know when when they're about to put the hands on your on your back to to leapfrog across you, and then you stand up a little bit, and then they go flying because, uh, well, they go higher mm -hmm. and farther than they had uh, aimed for, and they could actually get across and hit the next guy because you had several guys uh, standing in a row for a frog to come leaping across. So if you lifted it uh, and there was one more behind you, then uh, they fall against each other and then you get screaming, yelling and you do it. And of course we had our own language to, to get rid of frustration too. <laughs> yeah, it... Uh, Those were exciting times we looked forward to in school, and uh, often times uh, you come over tonight and we're gonna play this, we're gonna play that, uh, and then uh, if they got permission from home, they would come over, and uh, of course uh, the sun determined the the length of playtime. Right. As soon as the street light goes on. That was the street light because uh, there was maybe in the whole village four street lights at the most. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, when the light goes on, you come home. Mm -hmm. uh, any organized sports at all, like any kind of soccer or oh, yeah, soccer baseball we, or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, well, baseball. We never heard of baseball. That was a typical North American game that uh, uh, at liberation time we heard about it and in Holland they called it honkball. Mm. But that was baseball and uh, no soccer, that was just about <coughs> the only, and then uh, horseback riding. Oh, okay. But uh, uh, well, farmers, they all had horses. But uh, uh, soccer, that was the big thing. And then it was in my time that the first soccer field uh, actually was, came into being. Mm -hmm. Because nobody, no farmer was going to dedicate a piece of land for soccer. It had to be some kind of pasture with grass in it. Mm -hmm. And next to the windmill, there was a piece of land and that belonged to the owner of the windmill, and he never used it, 
and he sometimes let uh, some cows graze in it, but it had to be grazed too, uh, because they didn't have lawnmowers. And so if you let cattle or goats or whatever graze in it. But then he decided that, uh, because the son of the, the windmill owner, he was a very uh, athletic guy. And he more or less got the whole thing going. They were these uh, uh, middle class people that mm. they belonged to the, the, what you call the movers and shakers, yeah. so to speak. And uh, he got it settled with his dad. We, we have a soccer field, so in his pasture they put uh, the, the goal up. And it was just a couple of posts, but eventually we got a net on it. Uh, how I don't know, but yeah, we started to play soccer. They got another goal at the other end, and uh, and then we got soccer games. The other villages around, they started to uh, start uh, uh, clubs, soccer clubs. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, uh, one thing leads to another. And on Sunday afternoon, there was surefire. There was going to be a, a game of soccer, and there was enough kids in the village to have two teams, like uh, two times eleven, because there's eleven in the soccer team. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we we played the game, but then uh, it wasn't long after that, and. We start to play against the team from the other village, mm -hmm. and then another one. And before you know it, uh, the the paper it was a weekly paper. It's just like the uh, the Tilsenburg paper here, uh, but we had that. Then uh, was from Boxmeer, and it wrote anything worthwhile mentioning. Uh, uh, people would put it in that paper, mm -hmm. and so our standings. Uh, were in that paper too, and uh, uh, did you play uh, soccer yourself? Oh, yeah, yo, hell yeah! Uh, as soon as I was old enough to yeah. join the club, yeah. and then I'm assuming Wheel did too. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Wheel, Wheel, and I were always on the same side, yeah. and uh, and then. There was uh, the the guy that owned the windmill and the watermill. Mm -hmm. His name was Rutte, and he uh, Piet Rutte, and Tje was the oldest son, and he got this soccer business going, and he had a younger brother, and uh, Ben, mm -hmm. and he was in my class, and they lived next to. The headmaster. So uh, I always knew, and I, th I thought, but I always knew that he was uh, uh, favored a little bit mm -hmm. because he lived next to the headmaster. And yourself, we didn't. So uh, <laughs> we had to cash in his wrath. Uh, anyhow, uh, Ben played on. But they, when it comes to playing soccer, they were just unbelievable. 
very athletic people. And uh, I remember that Dad had a hard time. I said, Dad, I have to play this afternoon. You got to go to church at 3 o'clock. Yeah, but I can't make it before the, the game won't be done. Why can't they have the game earlier? Well, the, most of the kids, they have chores to do at home, and they can't go and play soccer. And if you don't have uh, the 11, and you have to have them, and they're all farmers, so what are you going to do? And yeah, well, we can't go, but we, we went this morning. Yeah, but you got to go in the afternoon too. And that was special services, and my dad was very religious. One, he was raised that way too. So it goes from from father from father to father uh, mother to child uh, to son daughter. And uh, but by golly, I got the permission to actually play soccer. Mm -hmm. And you could see it; it was not too far away from from the road. And I could uh, when I was playing, and and I said, "Oh, Dad is coming around the corner." near the blacksmith, he would be coming down the road, and I wonder if he's going to watch. i got to make sure that I can kick that ball when that comes by, just to make sure that he understands that, uh, you know, we mean business, it's a serious game. And uh, he just walked by as if there was nothing happening. He, mm -hmm. like, he, he couldn't care less kind of attitude. Right. But then, one time, him and Will's dad and some other guy that lived in uh, in our neighborhood, and the three of them were going to church, and they actually stopped at the soccer field. At uh, there was barbed wire around it because it was a pasture, and uh, they would actually stand there and talk about it and watch us play. And boy, the uh, what a game that was! That's another what I I'll never forget. And I remember my dad smiling, mm -hmm. and uh, with a big cigar in his mouth. He always had a cigar on when he went to church, well, uh, in the afternoon. And uh, never in the morning, because you don't smoke or eat before communion. And uh, he stood there watching us play, and he probably never saw a, hockey, a soccer game in his life. Yeah, those were... The pre-adult years. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, during uh, the war, that changed uh, our. We were never allowed to go too far away from home, mm -hmm. but you never know what may happen. And uh, every once in a while, of course, the the roads uh, were not ours anymore. Uh, they belong to the vehicle traffic, uh, trucks and what have you. We never saw any German tanks going across the road. I never, well, I saw uh, the odd tank, but not in the village. But if you're, uh, and that was a, a specialty for us to see a tank. But uh, army trucks and, and, and stuff like that, uh, they were coming by all the time. Yeah, and uh, during the war we uh, we wouldn't play on the road anymore, and we wouldn't go far, and you never knew 
the field was there, like in the early 1940s. Uh, we didn't have rationing yet, but as it went on, then things got more serious. Uh, first to conquer France before they got into, you know, like uh, got to the Channel. Uh, that took uh, a while, and uh, once they got there, they could actually more or less decide what to do. And uh, of course, they start to uh, that Eastern Front, and uh, it didn't take long for their fortunes to turn. Yeah. And uh, there was a greater demand put on the people and uh, hunting for uh, the young guys for. To put them in the army and whatnot, it got it got very serious, and uh, the uh, hunting for for Jews to take to the concentration camp got to be a very serious thing. And did, you have, did you have any any of your school friends or or neighbors? No, we in our village there were no Jews. They okay. they lived more in the cities. Mm -hmm. They, they were not in farming. The Jewish people were uh, uh, mainly in the doors, but of course they were all over the country. But uh, when you had the concentration of it, like you didn't have synagogues yeah. uh, like in, in villages, mm -hmm. but uh, if you were a Jewish person in my village, you would have to travel 20, 25 kilometers to find the first synagogue, yeah. if you wanted to go for your services, mm -hmm. and uh, but people from like the Jewish people, they had to wear the Star of David, yeah. and it was a uh, 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 yellow, like goldish color, mm -hmm. yellow embroidered on a patch, and the patch was sewn on their coat, mm -hmm. either on the sleeve. Or on the lapel or on the front of the coat, mm -hmm. depending on who was wearing it, so that they were readily identifiable if they oh Jew come here and but they didn't in the in the in the beginning like 41, 40, 41, part of forty two, uh, uh, some were still walking around and uh, I never knew until towards the end of the war that there actually were concentration camps. Yeah. Uh, they were just... I asked my dad how come that uh, the people waiting uh, for the bus. They had the bus coming by uh, every so many hours. And these people came from the city and they tried to, to, to trade stuff with the farmers that the farmers wanted, and in the city they would sit there sewing or knitting or mm -hmm. the artwork. They, uh, the Jewish people, they were big in art. They were, I think, well advanced, and they uh, uh, they would come and try to uh, get some money or uh, not money necessarily, but a loaf of bread or half a loaf of bread. Burger. Yeah, bartering. Uh, because they didn't get coupons. See, we had coupons by then, uh, in sometimes in 1940. I think they started rationing, and uh, the Jewish people were not supposed to exist, suppose, uh, uh, at the time. So they didn't get 
any rations and, and any coupons. So they would kind of starve to death if, uh, if they didn't find a way to uh, maintain themselves. And uh, they, uh, they managed somehow, but this family that, like a family, it was two women and a boy. And they came from Helmond and they went around our village to see if they could barter their stuff, whatever it is that they brought. And when they wanted to go on the bus to go back to the city, and well, they had to wait for half an hour or an hour, that the bus didn't come every hour or every half hour, you know. That's one in the morning and one at night, for instance. And uh, you never knew what time in what village. And the hours were very uh, stretchy because uh, they, you never knew the bus wasn't running on, on, uh, on gas, what we call gas here. Uh, they were running on wood. They put wood generators on it. And that was quite a, an interesting invention. But uh, if it stopped, then the, then the wood was burned up and it could be in the middle of nowhere and in the back of the bus they had a, a bag of wood, hardwood, and they would open the top of the generator behind uh, the driver's door and then they pour some wood in it, lock it up and let it burn again and the gases would come out and it were, they were funneled to the carburetor and well that's what it would run on, on, on the gas coming out of the hardwood and then took it, took it, took it, took they, the, they were, you could almost keep up walking. But anyway, they were waiting for the bus and this little kid was sitting there playing under the seat and I, he had this star on his uh, jacket but uh, didn't make any difference to me. Uh, uh, maybe that is came with the coat, I don't know. City people are different than, than town people, village people. So I, I went to play with him and he had black hair and uh, he was a nice friendly kid. Looked kind of jittery shy. And, uh, but we played for a while and it didn't take long and we got along great. But uh, in the city they had, especially there, they had a different dialect and uh, and he spoke that dialect fluently. We didn't get to hear that too often. Uh, and when I went back to school uh, the following week or the next day, and uh, I used a couple of those words. And uh, were you in Helmond? Why? Well, that's that's what they. It's only in Helmond where they speak that. Mm -hmm. So that you could tell by a few words uh, where you were from. Uh, talking about dialects, uh, but anyhow, uh, it was it was ba a bad scene for the Jewish people, and I think that they may have been picked up later on because there was one place where they sold furniture, and the guy had a woodworking shop, and he built his own house. He was like a carpenter, mm -hmm. and. Uh, 
they had a store with furniture in it, but in the in the wartime there was not all that much. But what happened in Nijmegen, Arnhem, Amsterdam, Rotterdam, The Hague, in those cities, the Jewish people would be rounded up, put on a train to a concentration camp, and all their assets were uh, confiscated, and then people could come and pick that up, and they got to pay the Nazis so much for that house. They look at it and they say, well, I'll buy whatever is in this house for so much. And they buy the entire thing because they didn't have time to to have a, a, like a sale. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so the, from our village, uh, that store, uh, the, the woman would go and buy it and it would be brought home with, with a German army truck. Mm -hmm. And they drop it all off and put it in the store and you talk about fancy furniture. Mm -hmm. I never saw furniture that, that fancy in my life. When uh, and hand carved cabinets and stuff, man alive, it was unbelievable. But uh, anyway, I, I told I told my dad, I said, Dad, you should go and look over at uh, at Fonse uh, Bardoul. He was uh, uh, that was his name, the carpenter, and I said Franz, the furniture. Franz Bardoul. The Fonse. Oh, Fonse. Uh, related, was he related to Will? Way back. Okay. Way back. That maybe uh, a couple of cousins back. Yeah. Okay. But uh, there was a lot of them. Uh, uh, it's the same as Smith yeah. here. Uh, in our village, Bardoul was a common name. Mm -hmm. Uh, anyway, uh, there are they have furniture, and you should see in the hand carved, and uh, some of them, um, uh, you know, they got lights in it, and oh, it's something we never seen. And uh, furniture we have was all made in the village by some carpenter, mm. and uh, but my dad knew where it came from. He already uh, heard from other old people what, yeah. what was happening and he said I don't want it and uh, I said but why not that I said it looked it looks so nice and you they have cabinets for in the bedrooms and they have washstands and you should see the 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 like the dry sink and and the the can with the water because they didn't have running water and stuff in most places mm -hmm except in the cities they did, and that is why uh, a lot of the stuff came uh, from the cities, and we, uh, no, I don't want it. I said, but, but that is nice. Do you know where it comes from? I said, well, yeah, I heard that it's from the city. Do you know who owned that stuff? They never bought it. They bought it from the Germans. They bought it from the Nazis. And they picked up the people, bring them to the concentration camp, and don't ever talk to anybody about concentration camp. You don't use that word, because my dad was afraid that if we knew, then they would stop us. And where did you hear it? You know, they, uh, the, the same as what is going on today, I guess. Anyway, uh, 
he refused to have anything in the house that had been confiscated from the Jews. You don't do that. That is uh, that was his his moral reasoning. Uh, it was in total conflict with that. So, uh, but I looked at it and. Uh, we could walk through the store and look at the different, and a lot of furniture was still sitting outside. And then they had boxes full of books, and they had books that I never heard of. And you know, kids, you sit there. That's I said, oh, and I couldn't read it because it was in Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So you put that aside. That where the hell did they come from? And uh, what, what, what kind of writing is that? But we sit there looking at the pictures, and of course they have a much farther advanced kind of outlook on life than we did. Mm -hmm. And I remember one time when I was late going home from school for dinner, and I stopped in there and I saw this box of books, sunny day, and saw this box of books sitting outside, and I opened one book. And there was a picture of a woman, and I, holy mackerel, I never saw him that fancy, and fancy clothes on, well, the nice picture, and they go on, and I, I leave through it. There must be more than that, and then I saw a picture of a naked woman. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, <laughs> I couldn't believe. I never saw a naked woman in my life. Not that I was constantly aware of. And uh, so, after we had our dinner, Will, Will, and I yelled over and I said, uh, you want to go over to Fons? They got a book sitting outside. There's a whole box of books. And there is one, and I had a, a woman. She was dressed beautiful, beautiful. And then a couple of pages further, there was a naked woman in it. And he said, Nax. Naked, nuts in, in yeah. our in our dialect. I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, but we got to go to school. He said, maybe it's still there after school. Of course, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, by you know, by four o'clock, it was all gone. Uh, yeah. So uh, we started to. I told him what what she looked like. Mm -hmm. Are you sure? I said, yeah. I saw it. I looked at it long enough, and uh, I, 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 but no, he said, you didn't see it right. It, uh, the, they they have one breast. I said no, they have two, one on each side. No, there is only one. My sister and I can see it, and that's because the way they were dressed, mm. they tried to hide their breast because. Uh, it was uh, 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 corrupting yeah. the mind of the young boys, mm -hmm. so you have to very properly, and it was all closed up to the neck. Mm -hmm. And uh, but we had one hell of a fight over that. Mm -hmm. So this Saturday we'll settle it. Pack of cigarettes, I said. Okay, I said, but. What, what do you want to do? He says, every Saturday after, after dinner, my sisters, they go 
to the opkamer, that is the room above the cellar, like we had, everybody had that, and they go and wash themselves. And I want to see, because Truus, that was his older sister, and she was, uh, to put it mildly, well-built, uh, richly endowed, and uh, she would get naked from the waist up to be able to wash herself. That was the part that we were interested in. So, but how? But you come over my place and uh, when everybody's busy doing their thing, that we sneak, sneak into the cafe and into that, into the little hallway, the little hallway where three doors came together. Mm -hmm. And then we can look through the keyhole mm -hmm. and then we can see it. And then you'll see, she only has one. I says, it doesn't matter. But for the sake of the cigarettes, I, I'll come and have a look. Mm -hmm. We went there, and just as uh, he said, I'll look first. And they, he looked, damn it. <laughs> I said, why? She left the key in. See, she locked the door, mm -hmm. so we couldn't come in. She locked, but she left the key in the lock. Well, next Saturday we come again, because I'm sure that she's only got one. And I get a piece of newspaper and I put some green soap on. Now green soap was just like grease that you put on the axles, right. and uh, it rubs on easy. And but that was good soap. Mm -hmm. Use use it for laundry too. And he would put that on the paper and then the door was uh, about three quarters of an inch off the floor mm -hmm. and shoved the, key, the paper under the door, pushed the key out mm -hmm. and it had to hit that green soap so she wouldn't Here. hear it because oh, okay. otherwise she would lock the door and we still wouldn't see her breast. Mm -hmm. And it just worked perfect and it fell in there and he said, I got to look, I got to look and he looked. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I said, uh, where's my cigarette? Yeah, he said, you won. I said, I told you, that's what was on the picture. Mm -hmm. You know, a stupid little thing like that, but it could take up quite a bit of time. But at least, yeah, and then we knew that when after we started to go out with girls, mm -hmm. they all had to, no exception, except one more big. And uh, girls got to be different after that. You know, you saw they were not the same kind of people anymore than before. Mm -hmm. But amazing how how young you are and, and of course uh, uh, by the weekend uh, we knew we had done something wrong. Mm -hmm. So you go to confession huh? and that's a bitch and a half because you got to tell that old priest what you did. And either that or you live with sin on your conscience. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wouldn't be mortal sin when you go to hell. But that uh, purgatory, that was a bad proposition. Hi. Good morning today. Yeah, beautiful day. A little bit. And uh, so we had to go and then you get the penance and 
you sit in the church, but if you get a big enough balance, you sit there long enough, mm -hmm. and if somebody sees you sitting there while the confession is going on, and you sit there long enough, oh, he must have had one hell of a load on his conscience, because he's still sitting there begging. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it was uh, uh, an easy confession, you go in there, you, you say uh, three of our Lord prayer, and then the Hail Marys, and you're out of there. But when you're sitting there and you got to pray the whole bloody rosary, mm -hmm. oh boy, <laughs> you must have had a lot of fun last weekend. <laughs> uh, I remember judging other people by, <laughs> by the length of time it took to get rid of the pens, but it never said anywhere when you had to say the prayers or do your penance. And uh, so, uh, if it was a little bit uh, hefty, I thought, well, I can say the prayers at home. Yeah, so you take your penance to go. Yeah, you take yeah. your penance to go. Yeah. yeah. Take, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> take out penance. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they have quite a few jokes about that too. <laughs> Uh, and I sincerely believe that crap too. But there's one thing about it. They kept track of what was going on mm -hmm. in the community, in the parish. Because everybody came to betray themselves mm -hmm. uh, uh, in order to, to uh, keep your seat in the train to heaven. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's almost like a subscription. You go to confession, you bring in another payment. And they knew exactly uh, who was what and where and how. And, uh, it, the, <laughs> I was at odds with, with the parish priest. Imagine my shock. Uh, <laughs> I, did I ever tell you about the, uh, the, the sausage buns that I had to make? Oh, yes. You kind of peeled some off. Yeah, so oh, oh. Carrots, yeah. Oh, well, did that? Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, We covered that off already, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can still taste them. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I got the best of it because and those carrots didn't taste bad, it's just that, in hindsight, it was maybe not the right thing to do, but boy, they tasted good. Yeah, I had a... Uh, uh, for some reason, I have a feeling that you and Wheel were constant uh, visitors to the confessional. Uh, <laughs> well, we kind of had to go every Saturday. Yeah. And uh, it was better if you did go every Saturday, because that way your chances of having to pray the rosary mm. were smaller. Mm. Like, uh, instead of uh, in, uh, uh, like, uh, com confess on credit, yeah. uh, you pay as you go. Yeah. And uh, so we always told jokes, you know, the, and the jokes, they got to be 
Moor slaat het as we go older. And the place to go was the blacksmith. They had five boys and well, they were our age and older. And uh, we go before you go to church to confession, we go to the blacksmith and to the guy that had the bicycle repair. Mm -hmm. And uh, you hear this one and did you hear that one? And we have a lot of laughs. Uh, of course, when, when you're just getting into your teenage years. But we knew that we shouldn't laugh about that. Uh, how in the hell can you hate something that you like? You know, the, the, we thought it was nice, so we let it go with that. And uh, but we confessed that we we told what dirty jokes. Mm. Oh, and you should do that, and that is not becoming of a good Catholic boy, and uh, you want to go to heaven and uh, uh, I know that one time I had I had a hard time because uh, we had to go and feed the calves and the calves were in the heddle field and the padules on the other side of the canal at the edge of the village they didn't have to be made you know, like, like they were calves they never had uh, had any uh, uh, they were cows, halfway between a cow and a calf, yeah. uh, just before they got married, kind of like. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they didn't have to be milked. And on Sunday afternoon, well, the calves needed water. And they had a trough, but the water had to be brought in. So we get pails of water out of the, out of the canal and dump it into the trough, and then the cattle had, the calves had enough water to drink. And this one Sunday, Bill says, I got to go and uh, water the calves. Uh, come with me. So I paddled along with him and uh, we got there. And the canal was making a, a, like a, an, an, an S uh, bend, mm. like a, a little offset in the canal. Otherwise, it was all straight. And just as we come near the band and we hear giggling, I said, did you hear that, Will? Yeah, he says that. Don't say anything. I think there is some girls swimming. And it sounded like it's a girl's voices. You can tell girls' voices. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure enough, we come around the band and that's where we had to get the water to give to the calves. And they were past the band, so it was harder to see, and they didn't have swimsuits, so they, they went skinny dipping, and it was uh, out in the middle of nowhere. And nobody would ever come by, there was no houses anywhere, field and, and bush. And uh, so we come around the bend, and sure enough, there was three or four girls in the water, puttering around, and they had some shrubbery on the dike, that what they dug out from the canal was used as a dike. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the, in that shrubbery, they, in, under the shrubbery, they hid their clothes. And then they dove in the water and that was fine. But then when Will and I got there and we were watching 
and we took the clothes and we put it in the barn. They had, Wilson had a big barn there, and was hay and, and stuff in there, and uh, and there was a, uh, you could put the cattle inside, you know, like for overnight, and uh, if they had the, the milk, it goes up, and uh, then we went to the canal and we sat there, and they spotted us. Where do you guys come from? And they thought that Helmholtz dialect, we do, we do dialect, we do that where they were from by the way they talked. Mm. And you guys not supposed to be here. And uh, can't you go for a little bit? Because we left, we left our clothes under the bush. Well, that uh, what stops you? Uh, but we took them, we took them and put them in the barn. So that they won't get wet in case it starts raining, you know, we uh, uh, teasing back and forth a bit, and uh, but our clothes, yeah, there was under that bush there, and uh, where is it? In the barn right there. Well, the barn was two-story barn, and uh, no, we can't. We can't come out. We don't wear anything. Uh, well, that's all right. I uh, we won't say nothing. Uh, so it went on and on, and okay, whenever you're ready, uh, you're close in the barn. So we go up to the barn, and we're sitting there behind the straw that is in the loft. And there was a door, and it was open, and you could see the straw. And that's where we put the clothes, so they could see the clothes is upstairs in the barn. Mm -hmm. And we were sitting behind the straw. <coughs> So they come in up that ladder to get to get dressed, and as soon as they were all up there, and before they could get dressed, we came from behind the straw and oh, you! <laughs> so we had a lot of fun, and uh, again we had proof that yeah they had two instead of one. <laughs> so I'm assuming you had a little bit longer confessional that weekend. Uh, 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 well, it, uh, I took it home. No, yeah. Uh, uh, it was not one that I wanted to, because uh, <laughs> my parents would have wanted where the hell is he? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was bad. That was a bad scene. I had to go and actually tell him, and uh, uh, <laughs> I went out with the girl once. At the end. That was later, but uh, uh, she went to confession once, and she told me what she was gonna do. She said, "I'm gonna give him some awful scene, and tell him what I did and where I did it. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna give a name, but uh, and then see what kind of questions I'm gonna get." So she really put it on that. She didn't even do. Half of what, what she said, but the priest was getting hot out of the collar, I guess. But uh, yeah, we went there for our confession, and uh, yes, that was bad, a bad penance. Uh, and there was quite a few. Quite a few things that confession always 
through a monkey wrench into things because it would kind of stop you from doing what you want to do, but uh, you know, but that's no, that's got to be bad. And Will and I, we would discuss. Do you think it's mortal? And then an older guy one time, uh, he was saying, uh, "You uh, you go out with girls sometimes. You do this, you do that, and uh, yeah, but that's a mortal sin." And they used to say, "You get what you call daily sins and mortal sins. Mm -hmm. You know those little sins here or there." Um, uh, I take your, I take candies out of your jar or something. Mm -hmm. uh, small, small little things. You got to confess them, but they were a purgatory kind. Mm -hmm. But you know, when you do the wrong thing with a girl, that is definitely mortal sin. And then this old guy says, "Well, no, I don't. Uh, for me, it is not mortal sin." Why not? Because when you do it daily, it is not a mortal sin, it is just a daily sin. That's right. Increase the frequency. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah, that is what, uh, that's what, how he got away with it. But uh, uh, accessibility was a, <laughs> another thing. Yeah. And of course, we were much older by then. Uh, it was a different time period. That was right after the war, shortly before we went our old base mm -hmm. across the globe. Mm -hmm. It. Uh, I can't help but see myself back in that time period when I. You now we talk about it, but the same as when I lie down and I. And I think about the life we had, the things we did, and at that time, it would be dull as hell today. But at that time, it was, what we thought, exceptional. Mind you, uh, ten generations before, human nature was still the same. And it was still the same a thousand years before. It is just that when you, when you get older, you start to realize that uh, life is different than what you were told and some things are okay but other things they you should have been better informed but well well I think actually that might be a good spot to kind of wrap it up for this week I think we're going yeah I was listening that. to that Harvard there. Okay, well, thanks again. We'll yeah. talk to everyone next week and uh, have a good day.